0: Sci-Fi for Me presents Jason Hunt and Timothy Harvey. This is the H2O Podcast.
1: Okay, so... Welcome everyone to uh, this. We it gives me a it gives me a chance to show off the special presentation animation because we are on at a special time, and we're actually able. It's it's kind of a special presentation because although the cameras seem to be cooperating at the moment, and he had to say that uh, out loud. Although I did have to replace a camera. The brand yeah. new H D webcam is the one that doesn't want to work, of, of course. Course. Of course. So I had to replace it with an S D cam for the bump shot over there, which is why it was so it's so blown out and yeah. ugly. So um
0: We won't be dwelling on the bump shot tonight.
1: Uh well actually it's it's about to become the camera station shot so we're gonna have to we're gonna have to switch it around there when we go for go for coffee. Um, good evening, everyone, and welcome to uh, to this edition of the H Two O podcast. My name is Jason Hunt, and I'm Timothy Harvey, and we are presenting a corollary this episode, a corollary to last week's episode. We talked about genre friendships last week. Mm-hmm. This week, we'll do the flip side of that. We'll do uh, Enemies, and as part of that, uh, just talk about the various different uh, antagonists and bad guys and villains and whatnot, and um, and I hear the coffee pot just, yeah. like, <laughs> even I was like, what is that sound? I was like, oh, yeah, it's the coffee pot. Um so, the, and, and those of you who are watching uh, as as we're live here on Sci-Fi for Me TV, uh, we're doing this early because later on tonight, uh, and I'm not sure if we're going to do it at about 8, 8.45 or 9 o'clock, whenever we, we're going to wrap up this one semi-early, and then we're going to have a special edition of The Ranker Pit. And a couple of reasons for that is we had technical issues past Friday night mm-hmm. where we couldn't do the show. And tonight, during Monday Night Football, there is supposed to be a trailer for The Rise of Skywalker. So we're taking the, the confluence of events, and uh, we're, t- we're seeing it as an opportunity that we're going to go and do a ranker Pit tonight, and we're going to talk about the Rise of Skywalker trailer, mm-hmm. which they say is the final trailer, but it's really the only trailer that we've got. Because so. all of the rest of them have just been teaser length.
0: Yeah, but the funny thing about teaser length anymore is, like, uh, it's a perfectly reasonable length of time for a trailer.
1: Ex- well, except the, the, the one that they sent out the first two-thirds of it is the first six films yeah well and, and I think you know, that
0: that's except that that's you know the idea that this is the end of this particular uh, saga I suppose and so you want to build it up so I, I get it but no I'm, I'm looking forward to it uh, it's uh you know and obviously that's an entry point right there one of the great you know the great villains uh, the the hero-villain stories, of course, Star Wars. You've got yes. Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader. Or, or Obi-Wan and Darth uh, Vader. Or, or. <laughs> Luke Skywalker and the Emperor. Or the Skywalker family and the Emperor. I mean, you can look at this in a lot of different ways.
1: Uh, yeah, true, true. Uh,
0: I mean, the the big bad, and apparently the big bad of the entire arc, is going to be the Emperor, <laughs> yep. which actually is something that, that's held through. If you if you were a fan of the comic book series that were coming out after the, the, the original trilogy was done... Mm-hmm. Um, you actually had the Emperor showing back up again. Usually, the and clone Dark Empire. Dark Empire. Dark Empire, no, no.
1: Dark Empire 2.
0: And when you consider the risks that that particular series took, um, the fact that it was as popular as it is, is is a bit of a surprise. I wonder if it would be as popular if it had come out in the era of the Internet, and the odds are probably not so much, because it took some serious risks with the characters. Now, it pulled yeah. it off, I think, ultimately. But it also, uh, you know, the idea that Luke Skywalker would actually... Embrace the Dark Side is something that a lot of fans would argue would never happen. But in terms of the comic book, I think they did, a, they did a good job of making the Emperor a lot more dangerous than this old man in a cloak.
1: Yeah, well, and the way they set that up in Dark Empire, it made a certain amount of sense that Luke would go on that journey in mm-hmm. order to basically, you know, you know, the be- to catch a thief type of thing, the best way to understand those on the dark side is to have that experience and i think part of that is you know you see nowadays in you know 2019 where everybody is talking about well you can't you can't comment on something unless you've lived that you can't you can't say x or you can't write such and such story unless that's the kind of person you are that that the whole idea of representation is kind of blown up and gotten ugly on the internet and m- maybe Dark Empire would be just fine because you know, until you've been on the dark no, side, I, you can't you know, understand the dark side. You know, the dark side has cookies.
0: We know this. So, uh, yeah. But nonetheless, uh, you know, the idea that you would actually have uh, you know, this one of the things that, that, of course, Lucas leaned into pretty heavily was you know, the general idea of a lot of the myth cycles and things like that. So right. so having, you know, uh, in many ways, like the Lord of the Rings, of course, Sauron was the big bad. And he was more than just the big bad of Lord of the Rings. He was really the big bad of The Hobbit. He was really the big bad of the Cimmerillion. He was really the big bad. But, you know, there was all these different ages of Middle Earth that he, he was there. Um, the, and he's
1: likely to be the big bad on the, the new Lord of the Rings television series. Well, because I believe it's a prequel. Yes.
0: So he's likely, to be very much likely to be. Um, if you go over to one of the series that I think is um, a spiritual successor in many ways to Lord of the Rings. It's a problematic series. I happen to be a fan of it, but it's certainly, a, it can be a rough read, especially early on because of, of some of the places it goes. The Chronicles of Thomas Covenant by uh, Stephen mm-hmm. Donaldson. Um, you know, Lord Fowl is in many ways you know, meant to be the embodiment of despair. And right. so you know he he of course is a big bad and and so you have these characters that certainly the emperor fits into that mold of almost this eternal villain who comes back because he's in a way he's more than a man he's a representation of evil, um, or you know go to villain pub on on how it should have ended and, and <laughs> you know he's, <laughs> he's evil evil uh, bar owner. Well,
1: the other the other way that you could explain that, of course, is he's midichlorians manifested in this evil form. So somewhere out there. Midians? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, uh, well, and the other the other part of that is, you know the fact that you've got Luke and Vader as related, you mm-hmm. know that whole father son dynamic also plays into that. you know, where he's my enemy. But he's also my father, and now what do I do? And and you you don't have that with a lot of the other hero villain pairings.
0: No, but you do certainly have sort of the evil family member. You look at something like you go back to the you know the King Arthur myth, right? Where you've got you know Arthur and his half sister, you know Arthur and his son, um, who are you know the. And depending on the author, there have been some really interesting explorations of that family dynamic in a way that makes sometimes makes you know Mordred a, a rather tragic villain, mm-hmm. uh, and sometimes just straight up evil. I mean, <laughs> you, it's the, that's the great thing about something like you know Arthur is that you can you can come at it from a bunch of different directions, from a almost a mythological standpoint to a historical standpoint, to, right. You know, because of course. <clears throat> Where Arthur would actually slot into British history is a matter of quite a bit of you know historical debate. So you can put him in a lot of different places, uh, which is kind of which is kind of an interesting thing. Same thing with Robin Hood, although you don't have the same kind. Well, okay, except Robin Hood, you've, it's more of your good evil dynamic with the sheriff and Robin. Well, probably. the
1: other the other part of that though is you know depending on what stories you believe. Arthur has a basis in history. You know, there are some people that think that there was some historical figure that was the basis for the yeah, Arthurian yeah. legends, whereas Robin Hood is just, you know, ro- the,
0: the, yeah. yeah. I mean, you, a lot of the folks when the, there's a there's I'm not, the, the the term is usually used as cottage industry, which makes it sound a little less interesting than it is, because of course these are actually serious people who are looking at this stuff from a historical standpoint, trying yeah. to hunt this down. Um, it's just not. Critical history that we need to know you right. know it 's not like we will understand the trials of today if only we <laughs> understood you know no of course that 's not what it means, but certainly you know there are a lot of different places you can put Arthur historically that fit into some of these historical figures who might be your inspirations, and it changes the dynamic of the world around him, so if he's said in Roman times mm-hmm. then who he, you know, who his enemies are. If he's set in medieval times, I mean, all this stuff changes the way you could tell the story, which gives you a lot of freedom for telling that kind of story. The problem is, is that we've reached the point now that we've seen enough of the Arthur story that unless someone comes along with a really clever uh, version of the of the story, we don't need another Arthur movie for a while.
1: Peter David came out with a pair of books that revived Arthur and modern times. Mm-hmm. And it was really a rather clever way of doing it, because everybody got reincarnated yeah. essentially. So you have uh, you have Arthur, Guinevere, of course, is out there somewhere, um, although not aware that she's a Guinevere, or you know, this something. And then, of course, Merlin is a kid by then. Right. So you have Arthur, the the leader and the the business tycoon and the guy in the three piece suit, being advised by a twelve year old, yeah, you know, and, and, and those kind of things. But they they're they're fun. They're fun books. There's a new, uh, a relatively
0: recent British film, and I cannot think of the name of it off the top of my head. Um, kind of came and went. I don't even think it got any play over here in the U.S., but it came came and went in British theaters, and Jimmy got good reviews. And it was a bunch. It was a a, a bunch of kids who discovered that they were the reincarnations. Oh, uh, and, yes. And the young boy who is is Arthur, and and it's a fairly self aware because these are kids who understand the, the the legends and yet and don't take it as seriously as you might. And it's got uh, um. Uh, Patrick Stewart, plays Marlin.
1: That's right. I was saying. I cannot think up. of the name
0: of it. Um, oh I'll look at it. Up. Yeah, because uh, we
1: had we had some stuff uh, mm-hmm. sent to us and we
0: reviews, reviews overall were generally pretty nice. Uh, um, I think people thought it was a uh, fairly clever and an enjoyable film aimed, at, aimed towards kids. Um, and I, so there's ways to do it. Camelot 3000 was a comic book series. Mm-hmm. A long time ago. Uh, that explored the idea of Arthur reincarnating in the future, right? And um, you know the 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 the
1: kid who would be king. Thank you.
0: There's, of course, riffing off the man who would be king, uh, which, of course, is a one of the uh, uh, great movies is how you do with King Arthur. <laughs> <laughs> Sean Connery and um, Michael Caine. Yeah, and it would be king. Highly recommended if you haven't seen it. Uh, and, well, uh,
1: anything, anything with with Connery in it or Michael Caine, and I think uh, um,
0: it's also it also served as even an, Zardoz, uh, if nothing else for the fact that this is one trippy movie and I don't know what's <laughs> going on. This is kind of weird. Um, if you uh, uh, Road to El Dorado was basically what happens if you cross a Bob Hope Bing Crosby movie with The Man Who Would Be King, ah, okay. uh, with uh, Kevin Klein and, and the voices of Kevin Klein and Kenneth Marana. Um
1: Okay, so uh, the the other great villains, you can move over to the comic book world. Before you do that, yeah. let's do this one quick thing. Um, we have a discount code yeah. set in place for superhero stuff.com, which is uh, basically when you go and check out, you use the code Sci me 10 and you get 10% off everything that you order. Um, so check that out, superhero stuff.com. Okay, now. Back back to ours back to our <laughs> program. Well, we're talking a little. We talked a little about
0: moving into the comic book side of King Arthur. Certainly, in comic books, there are the great villain hero rivals. Oh yes, um, and you know, get if we can get it right in a film in my lifestyle, I'll be happy. Reed Richards and Doctor Doom, mm-hmm. uh, the great, you know, two two genius characters, two who um, uh, both. In all fairness, Reed is Reed's a bit of an egotistical guy as well. Um, he's just more pleasant about it.
1: Some somehow, I think it kind of comes with the intellect.
0: I think well, it, I think there's a, and I think they did, when when they were getting the uh, ultimate Fantastic Four right, they leaned into the fact that there was a certain amount of alienation that this this young man felt because he was so smart around people who just didn't understand.
1: I feel that way all the time,
0: and. <laughs> Mindy, <laughs> uh, <laughs> nothing. Uh, just looking for. Uh... While you riff on that, I'm going to go pour
1: coffee, and we're, we'll we'll okay. show off our our, our camera. Um, um, camera.
0: Oh, I can't come with you for the coffee.
1: Well, I mean, you're
0: gonna leave me over here, or you're I gonna leave go you over? over there. Fine. So, so you look at something like, Which but you, you but you look at something like Doctor Doom, uh, and you look at uh, you know, Reed Richards, and these two. Uh, the
2: H2O podcast is now turn available it off, on, on iHeartRadio.
0: <laughs> and we've got things happening over on the control board. That's all right. Anyway, the... Um, <laughs> the
1: uh, this, this is what happens when we try something new. It doesn't it, always work. It
0: doesn't always work, and that's okay.
1: And, and the reason that we're doing this is for a little bit of visual variety (laughs) so it's not two guys sitting in a chair it's not two guys sitting in chairs are you trying to talk
2: to him or talk to the
1: camera well i'm talking to him but i'm also addressing the people who are watching the show because you know fourth wall and everything
0: comments in the peanut gallery anyway who's not using her microphone i that's true uh anyway um, yeah, so you end up with these characters who are who are intellectually on the same playing field, and yet one is you know a scientist who wants to create, and one is a, a ruler who wants to you know expand his empire and, and control the world, uh, and you know there's a, a clash of ideologies, but in some ways there's a there's a, an interesting kind of respect, you know, right. between uh, there's. Uh, more than once, Doom has basically told other villains that only I can kill Richards. You know, only I. You know, he is—he's my nemesis. You know, stay away from my boyfriend, <laughs> which is, to some degree, you know, it's—it's it's that whole—it's that whole only. You know, well, it's best—it's best enemies. I mean, to some degree, and you—you you see that in characters like uh, you know, uh, Doctor and the Master. You know, yeah. you have the the idea of, uh, and you know, but you look at also. Okay,
1: we're going to have to rethink the placement of all the cameras <laughs> and the microphones for that to work. So, um, but at least it's, we have
0: coffee. At it, we have coffee. Uh, but then you know, Marvel Marvel had a tendency to lean into opposites or or reflections in their yeah. in their hero villains. So you got you know, uh, the Captain America and the Red Skull. And what's interesting is that, of course, as Captain America has evolved depending on the time that the character was being written, uh, because, of course, you look at the various ages of Captain America, the comic book versions, um, and there's quite a bit of variety for how Captain America was written, which, is, which yeah. makes sense. The same thing with Red Skull. He's been everything from a straight-up Nazi to, um, you know, uh, yeah. A frail old man who is just trying to cling on to another day of life and and everything in between, and you know, always always on the bad end of things. Never, I mean, there's there's not going to be a Red Skull redemption arc, mm-mm, uh, mm-mm. and there shouldn't be, honestly. Because, no, there shouldn't be. Uh, not
1: every villain well, needs a, a redemption arc. He kind of just... got
0: one. He kind of got one in in uh, uh, Endgame. In the movie, yeah. As much as much as the Red Skull can get. I think I think it was, I think there was I the closest suppose. thing you could lean into for a, a redemption arc, um, or at least an acknowledgement that that you know he's where he needs to be now, and that he's not actively a villain close enough. But you know, Peter Parker and Doctor Octopus, mm-hmm. in many ways, are you know the both both geniuses, young one, older one, you know, uh, uh, one who's. Physically, you know, he wears a spider suit, but doesn't have he doesn't have multiple legs. The flip side of that is somebody who's True. not a spider but has
1: well, and you, you could know, do yeah. You know, besides Spider Man, I mean, all of the all of the main most popular heroes in both Marvel and DC don't have just one right. nemesis. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean. Uh, Spider-Man's got the Sinister Six. He's got, you know, Green Goblin and Kingpin and and Doctor Octopus and Vulture and Mysterio and all you know. Sure, Rhino but when you, you look at
0: someone like, but you you look at like the classic, what a lot of people have come to view the classic ultimate arch enemy for someone like Spider-Man is usually someone like the Green Goblin, right? Or Doctor Octopus. Usually Green Goblin at this point in in the
1: publishing. And it's ones. been interesting to see. Um, Who was it? It Was Dan Slott, I think, did a run on Spider-Man where Peter Parker essentially died and Doctor Octopus occupied his body for a time. uh Yeah,
0: uh The Superior Spider-Man. It's 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 an ongoing with with Doc Ock on the West Coast trying to be a hero. Yeah. uh, With because uh, he realizes
1: I've I now I've okay I'm Spider-Man now what. What do I do with it? And and become a, it becomes a thing. Super J L K uh, suggests Xavier and Magneto. Sure, although I think they probably would count. They'd fall into the frenemies category more than just you know completely yeah antagonistic enemies of well, each other. Well, and they've other.
0: certainly been on the same side um, a lot during the history of the comic. And currently, if you're if you're reading the rather interesting new. Take on the X Men that is that Jonathan Hickman. Jonathan Hickman, um, where it's going to go, uh, the ultimately the success of of the big picture they're playing with is going to be played out down the line. Right. But certainly this twelve issue miniseries, this uh, Powers of X and House of X, has been, if nothing else, interesting ideas, and the artwork's been great. But well, they're on the same side again. But the question becomes. Um, should they be? and should they be should should we actually be rooting for the X-Men at this particular point? Yeah. Is, is an interesting question to the comic raises.
1: What I find interesting is the the reaction that I'm seeing from various different people who are reviewing the stuff, mm-hmm. um, where you look at a lot of the YouTube commentators who have been complaining about the direction that Marvel stories have been taking over the last four or five years. Saying you know, Jonathan Hickman's run on X Men is pretty good. Is you know, it's interesting. It's a story. It's entertaining, and and you know, it's not over the top politics or anything like that. They're actually you know, Hickman's actually telling a story, and they are noting the fact that it's so. Out of character with everything else that Marvel is publishing, because yeah, it, it, this is actually good, well, and they're I, surprised. And I would,
0: I would disagree. With that I, overall haven't, overall I haven't, I haven't read
1: any of it, so I don't know.
0: Um, so having, you know, there's, there's quite a few title Marvel titles that I, I read from time to time. I don't read comic books the way that I used to. Mm. Um, and that's just because a question of time, and more than anything, time. Time. Uh, oh, yeah. And but. Uh I did I did follow this rather interesting I th- I think it's an interesting series. I think they it it raises some very interesting questions about free will and some interesting questions about um um who who the bad guys really are, which is interesting. Right. And I think I think it does something it it actually makes the X-Men interesting in a way that mm, you could argue they haven't been this could get me in trouble you could argue the x-men have had a problem with spinning their wheels in a lot of ways since the 80s sure and i would say honestly um you know once you get once you get into the 90s like a lot of comic book series the X-Men went into, you know, the shoulder pad decade. And, you know, we got, we got some interesting characters out of there. Right. But at the same time, um, one of the things I think that, that you can tell with, with Hickman is that he cares about the characters, but he wants to see them do something different.
1: Now, Claremont's run was done by then, right? Or yeah, although he, they're talking about went... Claremont coming back.
0: Oh really? There's a ru- there's a rumor that a rumor. Claremont that, that Claremont that, uh is wow. interested he's he's interested in coming back cuz of course he came back in in little pieces cuz mm-hmm. he had for a while there he picked up uh I can't remember the name of the comic which one it was it was called cuz there were several a bunch of different X titles at that point. But basically he picked up the storyline that
1: he left. Now that was John Byrne. No, 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 no. Cuz John Byrne has done that.
0: Yeah, no, this was no this was this was a uh, um Oh, goodness. It basically picked up because he had plans to, like, kill off certain characters and bring back certain characters, and he did it. And it ran for a short run. Okay, so
1: when John Byrne was talking about picking up from there, that may have been what he was talking about when he said that that Claremont had continued. Mm -hmm. And Byrne has his take on picking up pretty much at the end of his run. Right, yeah right where he left off. And he's done art and, and story and everything. Now, the and I, I don't know where it is, though. The
0: it's... fascinating thing about where they are now with the, with the X-Men series is that all of the big X-villains mm-hmm. are on the X-Men side. There are, I mean, yeah, yeah. Magneto, uh, Apocalypse, um, uh, pick one, uh, Sinister. They're all on the side of Xavier interesting
1: <clears throat> yeah does so the, that make, well does that make Xavier then the villain or
0: that's a good question because there's there's hints dropped throughout the series that Xavier is um, is more dangerous i mean and certainly if you go through the history of the x men uh Xavier is he's a problematic character for for the people around him. Sure. He's, he's he's caused about as much pain as he's caused happiness in the course of the run, which has made him an interesting character because he's a very flawed character and, and leaning into that sometimes has worked for
1: yeah. the comics. But <clears throat> well, and that's contributed to a great deal of the success of Marvel over the the history of all of the Marvel characters is sure, the but, humanity and the flaws of the characters. But generally
0: speaking, you don't know, I mean they've leaned it they've they've made it very, very clear at various points across the entire run, uh from the early days up to now, that Xavier is not necessarily a good man. Yeah. And he might have a nice vision, which is which is something to be said, you know, historically we have a lot of people who have had great vision. Who have been not particularly nice people, and so you don't. It, it make it, it does make him a little more human. Here, though, um, the world that they are building, and I'm not going to. Sw- if you haven't read it, I encourage you to read it. If you're all interested in X Men titles, it's one of the best things that has been. Like I said, since probably since uh, you know, the Dark Phoenix saga in the '80s. I think I'm gonna. I'm gonna. It's 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 certainly as I think is inno- inno- innovative uh, because. They said basically sat there and went, "We're gonna in a way we're gonna start from scratch, pretty and much, we, and we've yeah. got a clever way to do that. Yeah. It's a it's a reboot in continuity, <clears throat> which I think is quite and they did it in a quite clever way. But it's also got a sense of doom hanging over it. It's that the that the audience knows that the characters don't, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. So there's that's you know, but yeah, I mean, coming loop that's a long digression into this particular comic book series." Um, but yeah, Magneto and and in Xavier because it's it was kind of the um, and this is why you know we talked about this before right? it didn't bother it doesn't bother me to make they there was a rumor about them being played by black actors right. It doesn't bother me because in many ways it leaned into the whole um, Martin Luther King Malcolm X dichotomy of of those like kind of characters um, but it's made the two characters rather interesting and I think that one of the things that the Fox series got. Right, for a while.
1: You're talking about the movies now. Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, was that especially with they, they, young and old, they cast those two characters really well.
1: Yeah, and you can tell that there's a history between oh, yeah. those two characters that goes back even further than what we see in the films, and yeah. I think that's that's played very well by both. Sets of actors.
0: Well, I think they, they, they set the tone early on when you put Patrick Stewart against Ian McKellen. Now both of these guys can be incredibly funny, Mm-mm. and they can they can ham it up like anybody else. And they do. And they do. But in this particular case, I think they they made the people around them, especially in the first first two X Men films, you yep. kind of was like, we're going to set the tone, and it's going to be Patrick Stewart and Ian McKellen level. You're kind of like okay, uh, I got to be good, and I think it, I think it worked. Now, whether or not you know that survived,
1: is well. And speaking of Patrick Stewart, you could go into that. That takes us into Picard and Q, mm-hmm. and I don't know necessarily that you'd count them as enemies so much antagonist. as anta- yeah, Q is is an antagonist.
0: Although you would also argue that in many ways Q is um, a a fan of humanity and wants to see us succeed because sure. he's particularly bad at thwarting Picard. <laughs> I mean, for, for an omnipotent being, you know, um, and yes, uh, I, I, I saw a list of like Star Trek fan theories and it's like, okay, is it still a fan theory that, that Trelane... And Q, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm
1: like, Trelane's a Q.
0: That's not, not a fan theory. That, that just is. I mean, that's it it, not a theory. Well,
1: there's even... Peter David even wrote a book yeah. called Q Squared yeah. that established I mean, like,
0: how is still, how is Q still
1: as Trelane's mentor. Yeah, how does it sound As mean? punishment. <laughs> <laughs> you need somebody to know. And, and Q got the job. He's like, are you serious? I've got to watch this? Ki- yeah, I yeah, no.
0: So, I mean... Um, but I think, I think that you got... Mm. Picard never really had the great individual villain. I think more so psychologically it was the Borg. Sure. Yeah, no, Kirk. Uh, Kirk's uh, enemy Kirk, was Kirk, the Kirk prime directory. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, I think
1: you're right. I think I think the Borg uh as a as a psychological enemy, but then also when you look at the Cardassians mm-hmm. and the kind of threat that they evolved into as the show progressed. You know, because the Klingons are now allies. Mm-hmm. The Romulans are old hat, and they really, they really didn't get the Romulans right. I thought, um, not not a hundred percent, but introducing the Cardassians is like, oh, we've got this brand new, we've got this brand new villain, mm-hmm. cut from whole cloth, and when you, we start all over. It could be, a, it could be its own thing, and I think that was a smart move to make for the show. Uh, and then you know you get into the the episode where Picard is captured and tortured. Mm-hmm. There are four lights. You know that's that's a brilliant episode.
0: I think I think though when you when you really look at that and and the Borg and how it's Picard's enemy is not is not controlling his own mind. Sure. Is one that. It's when, when his own control of himself yeah. is taken away. Um, that seems to be, you know, whether it's psychologically in the case of, of that. Yeah, that was, I mean, David Warner mm-hmm. uh, played opposite him in, in, in that episode.
1: Uh, well, and you also have uh, in uh, in First Contact, Picard losing control of himself out of anger. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, the, you know, the line must be drawn here and he just he just loses it and yeah, he broke, it, yeah. broke his little ships.
0: Um, but I think you look at, and then you look at a, the very different kind of dynamic in terms of a more physical, uh, this is my enemy and yet, dot, 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 um, with Cisco uh, and Gal Dukat. Yeah. Um, again, playing with the Cardassians <clears throat> and and this sort of, um, and then of course, actually, Gal Dukat and his own madness. Yeah. which was became his own, in many ways became his own enemy and his own downfall
1: right because once he got you know toward toward the end there once he got possessed by the pot wraith, then it took on a completely different level yeah. of who who are who are the prime movers and shakers in this mm-hmm. in this battle but because... the interesting
0: thing I think early on, the interesting thing was where you would have this clash of ideologies between the federation's viewpoint.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: um even even being coming out of of Cisco, who at that particular point uh in his life was not the best starfleet booster huh. no. and and yet coming up against someone who was trying to justify being an occupying force and being you know the brutality of the Cardassian regime uh, 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 inflicted upon the Bajorans and I, to some degree that that made Cisco have to look at what he believed, um, which i think was a, which made. Galducat an excellent villain for him because it, it it caused him to assess what kind of man he wanted to be in response to that kind of uh, well
1: and it also evil. it also leads to some very interesting character development for Cisco as the war progresses mm-hmm. because we get those episodes where Cisco is willing to. Bend the rules, break the rules, go against his principles for the greater good of the war because it's war and we have to do what we do to win or everybody dies.
0: Yeah, and that. Well, it's a, it's a personal sacrifice in the to save others. Yeah, and and I think that it was the show really benefited, and we've talked about this before, from the ability to have. The, the the arc that ran through a season, mm-hmm. and you're able to get into Cisco well enough to see that the choices that he's making, in response to the war, right. uh, to Galdkad, to the founders, to all these different things, the kind of man that the kind of choices that the sacrifices that he makes, the choices that he makes, to save others, and how <clears throat> they actually end up being things that you know. He embr- he embraces the, the flaws to save others, his own flaws to save others, which is right. I think a, a, a nice touch. And just it's
1: it's uh, you know,
0: it's a one well, of those little things that, that is dark and grim and yet has that little Star Trek hope in it.
1: Sure. Speaking of dark and grim and being willing to compromise things, you look at Batman and the potential that he has to be the enemy of the Justice League, mm-hmm. where he's got his plan to stop all of them. Oh, uh, yeah, Tower um, of Abel. Yeah, and, and that—that's a line you know he's drawn for himself. Mm-hmm. But he's on that on that on that place in that in that box where he's sitting there thinking, okay, if anything goes wrong, I'm the only one who can stop them. Right. yeah. Well, he's, and, he's a man among gods. And that's got to be a heck of a thing to live with. Well,
0: and then you flip it around. You look at what they've done with like the whole dark universe, dark multiverse stuff that they've been doing with with the the Batman who laughs and, ex- and exploring um, the idea of you know this is a character who put in extremis if he did if we if Batman doesn't have the will that our Batman does. Yeah. You know how how you know the various places he could be broken. Injustice, the whole Injustice uh, oh. uh, game system, and, mm. and the comics, and all the different things uh, that spun out of that, um, are you know Superman and Extremis, um, and that of course has been done in things like Miracle Man, and and some of the other things where or uh, Supreme or um, Squadron Supreme, yeah. various incarnations of that where they've been villains or the Supreme series, or right, uh, the re- three.
1: Yeah. Uh, Ultraman Ultra and,
0: yeah. and Owlman. You stuff. can look at this stuff and, and just you know, they're the they're the dark mirrors of this. In fact, uh, um, um Oh, for heaven's sakes. James Wood played uh, Owlman Owl and what was the what was
1: the name of the Crisis on Two Earths? Right, yeah, something like, that. something
0: like that. Um and even there it's basically, you know, it's Batman and his reflection. Yeah. And it's uh <clears throat> And in some respects, it played off the fact that Owlman, of course, is a death seeker, a nihilist. Yeah. you know, and,
1: and that's not Owlman from Watchmen. No, It's a no. different Owlman.
0: Um, I've been reading, reading several reviews. I haven't watched any of the new Watchmen yet. Um, I've seen mixed reviews. Mixed reviews, but I, I've, some of them have been I, enough that they're, what they're talking about intrigues me to make me think that this could at least... Whether it's good or not, yeah. it may be interesting to watch.
1: Uh, we've talked about, uh, last <clears throat> night on on uh, on Pineapple, I talked about Batman. I talked about Robert Pattinson's comments about how Batman's not a hero and addressed some of that. Now, Batwoman is on CW and is not doing well in the ratings. I have not watched it yet, um, but it's on my list of things that I've got to catch up on. I've
0: initially heard so. that one of the problems they've got is that it doesn't actually have its own voice yet it's got it's got it's got things that it's trying to say yeah but and and this is something that wouldn't be the first tv show that got off to a rocky start in this little particular dc tv sure. show stuff right. uh the first season of green arrow yeah um flash was a little better but there were times in the first season of flash mm. um i haven't watched any of the of the batwoman show yet um it's one of those things where I'll probably end up in like you know, stream like two or three episodes in a
1: row and sit there and I watched uh I watched a, a critique from Richard Meyer talking about it and he his his biggest gripe, I guess you could say, his his biggest thing is one, the bad guys have a, at some point they have a fifty caliber automatic Mm -hmm. rifle thing and the, the way they reload it, you know, Meyer's infantry. And he's looking, he's like, first of all, where'd they get a 50 caliber? And second of all, that's not how you reload. If that's your biggest gripe, but his other thing was the fact that (laughs) he, he couldn't buy the physicality of Ruby Rose as Batwoman. Mm -hmm. Is that whenever you get these casting, announcements of people who are going to play superheroes mm-hmm. you know chris evans chris hemsworth gal gadot all of these different people you know henry cavill all of a sudden social media is just all over the place with videos of their workout routines and we're getting pumped up and all this everything and, everything. Yeah. and you didn't get any of that with ruby rose and and he's having a tough time with I don't buy the physical part mm. of of the thing, and that's one of his complaints about Watchmen as well. Is the lead character is this teeny tiny nothing of a of a woman? Well, how did you how did you all by yourself get this giant guy in the trunk of your car? You know those the the physical aspects of, of sure. That although kind of you do thing.
0: have to you do so have to, to to take into Thomas it.
1: says Watchmen was interesting. Okay, um, like I said, I'm, looking,
0: right. I'm I'm looking forward to watching it just because it's. I'm a huge fan of the comic series. I did not hate. I, I, I honestly thought that for cramming into a less than three hour movie, I thought that it was not a bad.
1: I thought the movie was fine. I thought the movie
0: was fine too. The, the problem with the movie for me was that it it did something that Snyder Snyder likes making pretty violence. It's a stylistic thing he likes to do,
1: and as a director, three hundred sucker punch, yeah.
0: As a director, that's fine. You get to do that. It's your movie, and mm-hmm. and I have I have no objections that some of some of Snyder's shots are very pretty. Oh and yeah, they look cool. Yeah. But the thing is, is that one of the things that Watchmen, um, and I'm hardly the only person who has this complaint. This is like the biggest complaint of a lot of different people, is that Watchmen, the violence in the comic was. Generally meant to be looked at as un, as unpleasant, it, not to have the glamorous sheen of the superhero movie, and so the violence when Snyder kind of sat there and went, "Let's make the violence pretty." Yeah. it ended up being like, "Well, that works mi- against, it works the, against the, the idea of the story." Um, now that said, um, you know, honestly, and this again, you know, might get me in trouble too. Um, I'll take Snyder's uh, Watchmen over um, the V for Vendetta movie any day. Because yeah. as much as I love the Beef for Verdetta movie, it's really good. It's a crappy, awful adaptation of an amazing miniseries. Which, HBO, um, call me, because I will give you a great, <laughs> I will write you a great adaptation of that 12 issues. Uh, are they
1: Are they doing that? No. No, oh, I was about to say. No, no one's
0: doing it, and they really ought to. What do we have there?
2: Uh,
1: uh, adrenaline and Pulleys. Sevilla. Sevilla is a new commenter uh-huh. in the live chat. Yeah, welcome. Um, I'm not quite sure. Are you? Are you say, is, that, is that your opinion of, of,
0: of Snyder's films, Adrenaline and Police? Because yes, that's, that's
1: okay. Yeah. Okay. But, I can see, there's. Yep, you could yep, say that.
0: Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's like I said, I I'm more interested in there's social. There's a, there's Watchmen is one of those comic book series where they lean into a certain kind of social commentary. So I have no, and I understand that the, the new one does as well. And I have no problem with that because it's that's what the the source material was really about. Looking yeah. at that, in in some ways, as as well as telling a story, and they're doing that in in this series, from what I understand. So I'm perfectly fine with that. I, um, one of the things you know, you, you when Gal Gadot was cast as Wonder Woman, there were a lot of people who sat there and went, "Oh, she's too tiny." Yeah. And she's a slender, she's built slender, but she's also been a soldier. And one thing you have to bear in mind is that. Strength does not mean muscle size Not always not always so you look at a lot of the big muscle bound, you know big muscle, you know the big You know uh, uh, Fitness competitions that sort of thing.
1: Oh, um, he says that's how the body got in the trunk.
0: Oh, there you go Thank you. That makes (laughs) it again also also very Uh, good. also
1: also a viable answer. Yes Uh,
0: so you look at some you know these big bodybuilders they may look huge but they're not going to do anything against I, someone who's a well, a, a small, saw, well-trained person. Yeah,
1: I saw something, and I think it came across my the, my Facebook feed at one point. It was a, it was an artistic comparison. It was uh, drawings, mm-hmm. basically saying your bodybuilders, you know, they've got all the cut and the muscle and the, mm-hmm. everything up top, right? And they're and they're, you know, up, triangle. you know inverted yeah, in triangles. But they're they're training for definition, mm-hmm. not strength. Yeah. And they say, if you have somebody who is training for strength, they're a tree trunk. The, oh, yeah. they the the bulk is different mm-hmm. for somebody who actually does strength training as opposed to bodybuilding training. Yeah, and it makes a certain amount of sense. And, and the same kind of thing with Gallag is, I wasn't expecting to see her look like, you know, Miss Universe or right, Miss Olympiad not. or anything like that. I, I wasn't expecting that. But I had the same kind of concerns as well when I, when we first saw her because she is She's so thunder. tiny. Yeah. Um, but it works. It, you know, she well, and I she think sold that,
0: that. I think that the one of the things that I would have done if – because I have no problems with with Ruby Rose as an actress. I doesn't. I mean, I think she's she ta- she's got talent, and and I have no problems objection to the casting. But also, looking at you, look at something like um, leaning into maybe a more. And I'm not a fighter. Okay, let's let's make that very very clear. I, <laughs> I, I, have never I've never studied martial arts. I don't. There's. I, I I'm an I'm an armchair. You sure, know, pugilist. Pugilist. I mean, it's like you know. <laughs> I have no authority to speak here. But you you know if if you're if that's a concern, then maybe lean into more of the martial arts aspects. I mean, Batman and Batman and Nightwing and Batwoman and Batgirl and uh, various Batgirls. A lot of them lean into the martial arts, yeah, because uh, it's effective. And often, even Batman is up against uh, villains who are bigger than he is, and it's a matter of leverage. Mm. It's not a matter of strength. It's a matter of. Where you place the pivot point so they they go into the wall. Black
1: Canary, she's yeah. a, a a judo expert.
0: So you know, depending on how it's depending on how it's done. But like I said, I haven't seen any episodes.
1: About I haven't either. Uh, and of course, this is this is our this is our digression for the show. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it it does it does kind of go in because Batwoman has her own set of villains. Mm-hmm. Batman, of course, has got his rogues gallery with with Joker and Penguin and sometimes Catwoman, depending on on who's writing the story. Um now, let's, you let's, go
0: ahead. I was gonna say no, uh whereas you get characters like the Flash and Green Lantern, who their arch enemies are them again that Mare of that themselves. Mirror, yeah. You reverse Flash or Zoom yeah. or and then Sinestro or, you know, the well, in many ways, the Guardians of the Galaxy themselves The Guardians of the Universe and the Guardians of the Galaxy, Galaxy. different different, different franchise. story universe. But the Guardians of the Universe in many ways are sometimes the antagonist of the Green Lantern series, in which case it's uh, yeah. corrupt. Uh, it's the corrupt leadership versus the the noble, um, uh, you know, the noble soldiers versus like the corrupt government. So right. it's like the way they,
1: right. they lean into that. Uh, Thomas uh, makes a point uh, that that uh, Diana mm-hmm. miss Paradise Island because, of course, Gal Gadot was Miss, miss Israel. Sure, right. So that that tracks. Um, GJ videos being a little snarky, saying that you would think that Batwoman is groundbreaking. I I'm going to disagree. I don't think Tim would think Batwoman is groundbreaking because Batwoman follows the CW formula. I don't think it's groundbreaking at all. I mean, there's there's nothing groundbreaking about the show. No, at all.
0: Um, there's there's you know, and even the character itself. Uh, although the comic book character, I think, has the advantage of, um. Being a comic book character, where you don't have to put a live person in a suit and send them mm-hmm. out, and, and deal with the fact that some of this stuff just looks a little, you know, some of the stuff can look a little silly in the real world. The Flash's costume at various points in the TV show has not been a great thing uh, for uh, Grant Gustin, but but they no, make it work. Yeah, they make it work, and yeah. and I, you know, like I said I don't, like I said, I haven't seen any of the episodes of the show. I I wish the show well because I like I like, you know, the overall I've liked the fact what they've done with this whole. TV, the DC Arrowverse, world, Arrowverse overall
1: thing. has been fairly impressive. They've they've had some stumbles. And they've had some yeah, you know, you but know, that's typical of any show.
0: Yeah, so I mean, I, I wish so. the show well, but at the same time, um, I, you know, I also don't have any particular investment. I get. I, 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 I haven't watched an episode yet. Yeah. I haven't, I, 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 I I haven't like, either. I wasn't so. like champing at the bit, and I'm, and I'll be. Unfortunately, there's not much that I end up doing that with with TV. Yeah. Um, I, I'd love to say that there was, but I, appointment
1: I television generally doesn't happen for us anymore. Unfortunately, and here's part of the problem with that: is that there's so much of it
0: well, that if there yeah. were there were only like five shows, that we were like, I want to watch that. We'd sit there and we'd watch those five shows. There's a lot more than five shows.
1: Yeah. Well, and and you stop and consider now the the enemies that are Disney and Hulu and Netflix and. CBS All Access and NBC. Oh, they all NBC. want they all all these, your they, eyes. They all they all want you, and, and, and they all want you to pay for it now. So, well, and you know, I think that this, you know I, at times shows. like
0: this, I'm however you feel about Amazon, it doesn't break my heart that I've got Amazon Prime because yeah. you know I'm getting the expanse. Right. Um,
1: well, and and here at the house we've got uh, we've got Netflix and Hulu and Amazon Prime, mm-hmm. and and then that lets us see a number of things, you know, like Stargate, where we're catching up on Stargate. Um, and my my kid has a subscription to DC Universe. Mm-hmm. Um, so there is there is that. But I'm you know, like, I don't want to pay for CBS All Access. I don't want to pay for HBO Max. I don't want to pay for C- Disney Plus. Yeah, I mean. The Mandalorian has me leaning. I'm like, oh, I probably should get Disney you Plus know, to watch and, and not that but, long
0: ago, I would have, I would have, I would have happily jumped on the, you know, cut the cut the cable cord bandwagon. Thomas, the says, is.
1: Thomas says for him it's all appointment television. He's watching WWE Raw right now. So well, there you go. <laughs> well, I'm
2: under the impression we should get rid of Netflix. It just doesn't have
1: You gotta talk to the mic. <laughs> is it on? Number three? Yeah, is it on? Is the mic on? I think I turned it on. Yeah, okay. Yes, it's on. Now, now
2: I'm thinking we should get rid of Netflix to get Disney Plus because Netflix we don't watch a lot of movies on Netflix. Yes, there's the occasional series, but it's not like the Netflix. Or well, the Netflix, Marvel universe. Is Netflix
1: has Dark Crystal.
2: Yeah. So we
1: which, do the means at some point later. we're going to be posting a review of of the new series, but apparently they're going to have more than one season of that. So, well, yeah, you know, it's got yeah, a lot it's gotten got a lot of good press. It does. Yeah, it's a good show. Yeah, it, I, it's I, very you know, impressive it's a, it's another one
0: I haven't seen. Yeah. Fact, look, honestly, at this point, the fact that that Dustin and I do The Walking Dead Universe for Zonpocalypse apocalypse. <laughs> now it means that I watch two Walking Dead shows. Yeah, uh, you well, know, and that's kind of you know that's the only show I'm currently guaranteeing myself that I'm watching. And even that's not always like. And you have Dar- you a know, speaking experience. of Dark
1: Crystal, you have the Gelflings of the Skeksis, mm-hmm. who are you know now uh, that we've gone through this first season, they are now mortal enemies. Yeah, you know, and and what do you do with that? Where does that go? Because it's it's a much different place. It's a much different scenario in this early series than what we have in the movie. And to hear everyone, you know, they have a behind the scenes, mm-hmm. uh, piece about coming back to this universe and, and making it all and everything. And to hear them talk about the trajectory, because at, at the end of all of this, is the movie yeah. and you have to it has to track yeah. it has to go from here to there and they're very conscious of that and well I I and mean, if you
2: want to bring in to them just taking it more on a psychological point of view of enemies and frenemies you have the Skeksis but then you also have the uh, oh lord their other half uh-huh. which they oh, battle each other what are they called yeah, I see now, um... Mystics.
1: The Mystics, yes. But,
2: I mean, they battle each other because they don't want them... The Skeksis don't want to lose the power back to the Mystics, but at the same time, they can't do anything to the Mystics because...
1: Yeah, it does it, does it, it to, to them, them, yeah. Because they're yep.
0: connected. No
2: spoilers, um, really.
0: Well, if you... If okay, you got you got that connection out of the movie. If you And if sure. you haven't seen the movie go back and watch the movie it's beautiful puppet work which takes me to farscape yes yes and the great villainies between the great villain which uh, is on
2: amazon prime so that we can we'll we'll, watch it. we'll, we'll
1: catch and up I, on and that. and i absolutely love that show it's one of my
0: it's honestly one of my favorite science fiction shows of uh, of all time and i think that it one of the things that really really works um, the actor Wayne pygram who played scorpius mm. who has created a villain who for John Crichton, our human hero, that is, in many ways, just reprehensible. I mean, he's he's awful, yeah. and yet you end up with a certain amount of sympathy for him because he he's a survivor, and he'll do anything to survive and get the revenge that was, you know, for, for what was done to his his his, his child, uh, to the one the, the few people he's cared about. And and you end up with this character who, in many ways, um, you understand his motivations, which means which, while he is he's doing awful things, Mm
1: -hmm. you you, know why
0: you know why he's doing it, which makes him an interesting villain because he's not just you know there's you don't root for him. Um, In fact, there's great moments where John like gets the upper hand and gets to like rub. You know, metaphorically, rub Scorpion, Scorpius's face in. Um, you know what his, what he's going, what he's trying to do is going to result in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it makes for some really great, great television. But nonetheless, he's an extremely effective villain. And Wayne Pygram as the actor, uh, who actually he played um Tarkin in one of the Star Wars movies. Uh, he was, he was the underneath the prosthetics for. One of the oh. one of the versions of of Tarkin in, um, I think it was one of the prequels where Tarkin shows up at the end.
1: Oh, okay, yeah, because yeah. because Tarkin Tarkin shows up at the very end of Revenge of the Sith, the the third film, when they're all standing there on the star destroyer.
0: Yeah, and, and I want to say that Wayne Pygram. I I, I I know because he's played Tarkin in something. I want to say that's where it was, but uh, anyway, because he's got one of those great faces that actually. You could see putting a little bit of makeup on him and having him go Peter Cushing, yeah. Because um, I mean, Scorpius has this amazing look, and um, he went through a lot of prosthetics. Yeah, it was Revenge stuff. of the Sith. But yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, if you haven't if you haven't seen Farscape, first season's a little ro- a little rocky early on, but it's like any other beginning of a season, beginning mm-hmm. of a series, and it quickly settles is into. Is it rocky
1: or is it rockney? Right. Oh, yes. Yes, Rockney
0: as well. But you, you look at what the, uh, when the show was canceled, um, uh, Rockney Bannon put out uh, a... not necessarily meant to be canon, but a lot of fans, uh, Farscape fans, want to view it as canon, which was a fast-forward mm-hmm. you know, into the future and where you basically see where all these characters ended up. And at that point, Scorpius is not necessarily an ally but someone who is serving as an advisor to one of the other characters because he's a great strategist, and everyone recognizes that. Sure. And he's kind of like, you know... Not going to be friends, but at least well, you can take advantage of the you know
1: the guy's the guy's skill set. It's like Lex Luthor being part of the Justice League at some point, and, and you know, and of course, the flip side of that is Justice League versus well, the Super Friends versus the Legion of Doom. Oh, no. Although
0: it's Legion of Doom now in the comic books yeah. too, because they have leaned into the uh, very much the. Um, Another cri- well, it's another crisis, really. Yeah.
1: Sevilla makes a comment, mental illness in comics is so predominant, but it's interesting how it can be used to turn someone into a hero or a villain.
0: Yeah, and, and we've talked about this before in the show because as someone who, who's never been shy about my own issues with depression and my own issues with how mental illness is portrayed in pop culture. Mm-hmm. And again, it comes down to the fact that and all of this stuff, where it's comic books, Or or TV or movies not so much in novels because you can delve in a little more you've got space to move around It's all shorthand right you're you're trying to get the idea of a character across in a very quick period of time Sure, and sometimes that can be sloppy Now you have a show like Legion Where they lean into the fact that the main character is? Mentally ill and this is they've handled it. I think good and not always so good in that show. But at least they make, try and make an effort to to bring mm-hmm. the audience inside the mind of the character.
1: And he had an interesting villain, too. Oh, yeah.
0: Uh, well, <laughs> himself, for yeah. one for part of it. No. Uh, but also, yeah, um, you look at some of the... Uh, well, and and coming back to the X-Men again, you end up with some of the greatest villains, like the Shadow King um, from, from Legion, are the villains of the mind and the villain who invades your mind um uh peter wingard uh mastermind going against uh, gene gray causing the dark phoenix to to emerge i mean it's all about the the you know the the characters who manipulate your mind shift your reality so you don't know it's real anymore yeah Uh, and i think that's kind of and proteus and coming back around to this the hickman series uh is uh, both uh, Legion and Proteus, who's a reality warper, uh, son of uh, Moira McTaggart. Um, Both of these characters are are the result of Omega-level mutants with mental abilities Mm -hmm. being... Unleashed in in negative ways, uh, but I mean, so that you get to lean into that. But yeah, when you get into some of the mental mental illness stuff, I think that's one of the. And I haven't seen it yet. I actually want to. Um, the I think one of the more interesting critiques I've seen about Joker, is that it, um. It doesn't seem to fundamentally understand what it's trying to say about mental illness. Right. And and you know what. As much as I want it to, it doesn't have to. It's a movie.
1: It's yeah, it's it's a story.
0: And uh a lot of movies don't have to be art. <laughs> Certain really well-known directors who are very, very talented people, and, and I wish you nothing but the best. But guess what? If it's if yeah. it's a movie, it's cinema. I Sorry. think
1: I think at some point we might have to have that discussion, but <sighs> maybe, but not this week. Yeah, no, that's and maybe fine. not next week.
0: Yeah, that's fine. because
1: next week I don't know what we're going to do, but next week is two hundred, and we got to do something special for two hundred. Yeah, um, some of the other. Villain relationships. We, just, we can just, you know, pop off. You know, so many of them. Flash uh, Gordon, mean the Merciless. Flash Gordon, Ming, Ming, the, Flash Gordon and Ming, Ming the, the merciless. merciless. Um, uh, uh, Sarah Connor and the Terminator.
0: Yeah, but um, shouldn't that be Sarah
1: Connor and Skynet? Okay, yeah, that that works too. Because so the Terminator, Sarah to C- some degree, C- is C- the C- tool. Alice and the Umbrella Company. Umbrella Corporation.
0: Yes, um, although, uh, and that's
1: something we were talking about at dinner was tonight was the fact that, that some of sometimes the enemy is Not an a organization, is sure, a, is, a comp- is a is a corporation. Mm-hmm. But then, of course, sometimes you get in things like Neo and Agent Smith,
0: mm-hmm.
1: where the enemy is just a manifestation of something bigger. Yeah, and and you have you have that kind of thing too. where yeah, Tim, did you watch Lost? Yeah, I watched Lost.
2: Okay, so my question, then, this is how that came up with the corporation, is in Lost because it's it's a genre thing. <laughs> oh yeah, no, yeah it's,
0: it's it's very much a it's a and fantasy series. You
2: have Ben who goes back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. So he's never quite the full bad guy, but he's not quite the full good guy. He's kind right, of yeah. that one you love to hate and love. But I figured Dharma. Itself would have been maybe the...
0: Dharma. To some degree, Dharma is the big bad of loss. The problem with Dharma is that Dharma is an example of a company that it doesn't have someone there to sit there. Well, it doesn't have a good legal team. It doesn't have a. <laughs> it doesn't have a good lawyer to sit there and go. Um, you know if they ever find the paperwork for this, we're all going to prison, right? (laughs) Because every good corporation should have at least one lawyer who sits there and goes, so how many years do you want to be in jail? Because...
1: Well, OCP didn't have a good legal team either. Well, they probably did, but they got shot at some point. (laughs) OCP and Robocop. Uh Um, um, What's another one? Well, and and you look at... You know, you mentioned *The Lord of the Rings*. Um, the Nazgul, the 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 nine, uh,
2: mm-hmm. the
1: the Black Riders and stuff. They're they're a nice well, villain type. Of, they, of course, they're working for Sauron. And, and, and they actually become. There's a certain kind of
0: then that you see that in like the Chronicles of, of Pride, End, Lloyd Alexander. Mm-hmm. Um, the Horned King is not the big bad, yeah, but he's a principal villain. Um, until you get to the real villain. And like
1: Darth Vader, and then you get to the Emperor.
0: Yeah, and, and, and that sometimes you end up with... Um, when that's done well, you can certainly have a... You know, the villain behind the villain. Um, and that, you know, sometimes it can be a little bit like... You know, pull off the mask, and it's, you know,
1: Old Man Jensen! Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, and, and if you want to get into organizations... Mm. you could have organization versus organization because you have control and, and chaos oh sure as enemies
0: well, and then certainly when you um, you know mentioning Ben uh, from from lost of course that uh, for those of us who love to hate him there we ended up uh, becoming huge fans of him in person of interest uh, which of course deals with artificial intelligence sure and the humans, Who are manipulating artificial intelligence. Who end up fighting each other. Who end up fighting each other. And some of the villains, as ruthless as they are, believe that mankind needs the control of an emotionless, super-intelligent entity that because we can't be trusted to take care of ourselves anymore.
1: That works out so well for Skynet, doesn't it? It does, and <laughs> um, to
0: some degree, it's the same thing with with the AI in in Person of Interest. But the thing is, is that it doesn't actually it it actually wants to do the job. It wants to yeah. sit there and tell you, you know, to, to protect humanity. The problem is, is that you know what what an uh, emotionless machine thinks protecting us
1: means. Ah. Um, eh. <laughs> for for the record, I welcome the arrival of our Google masters That's at, right. at some point. I what I'm proud to serve <laughs> this. Well, and and that that kind of goes along those lines of you know where you know that line between art and life, where we are on that cusp almost. You know, we make the joke that Google is going to become Skynet, but when you stop and consider how much Google listens to everything that we do, sure, and, right. the, and reads our email, and Facebook looks at everything that we do, and all of everything is tracked, we have Skynet. It's just Skynet hasn't decided to pull the trigger yet. And I, I've made the joke before. Once Google buys Facebook and starts reading everybody's posts, that's it. We're we're done at that point.
0: Well, and the the really terrifying thing, if you really want, to, if you really want to give yourself nightmares, um, is that there, that's, that's your nineteen eighty four, that's your brave new yeah. world, that's your the the ability for a, a totalitarian government to if they get, they get access to that, they know your secrets, they know the things you know, uh, and and the, the the dual edge of the. Benefits of technology versus the thing, the the ways it can be turned against us. Um, Now, um, if you want to take the the artificial intelligence to its terrifying extreme, in which point it's yeah, it is the ultimate enemy, and there's only a few of us left. Is Facebook and Twitter? I have no mouth and I must scream. Oh yeah. Where basically there's like six humans left, (laughs) and that's it. And and the the AI that is the machine intelligence that has taken over the world is keeping us around just so torturous because it's reached the point where it's so intelligent it's learned to hate.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, which um, uh, considering that considering that um, when they have unleashed the few artificial intelligences that we've developed into like the Twitter world and it quickly became oh, right. ultra racist. Right. Um, it's like which extremely two hateful. things. Yeah. It tells you something about Twitter. And that, you know, get off Twitter. It's, yeah. it's a, it, you just go. Um,
1: I would love to get off Twitter.
0: I, you know, I, I added a Twitter account for my day job because we, we train, we train nonprofits and things like that. And it doesn't break my heart that we've got 27 followers. Yeah. Because those 27 followers are nonprofits and, <laughs> and other grant writers. And I'm our, just like,
1: <laughs> our Twitter account right now is sitting, well, oh, I'll oh, hit the right button here. Our Twitter account currently sits at two thousand nine hundred eighty-three followers. Mm-hmm. We're just that shy of three thousand. So, I mean, it's a it's a, a respectable number, uh, but I would say that out of those two thousand nine hundred eighty-three followers, three people click on anything that we ever post. Yeah. I mean, so, it's... what good is it,
0: really? Well, and and you know, I think that that. The, again, we come back to this whole argument of the benefits of the connection that we get um, versus the fact that a lot of it is not really connection at all. Yeah. Um, but, well, and, and there are certainly in, in science fiction, there's a lot of the negatives of technology.
1: The Cylons.
0: Yeah, when you get you get into... Well, in both versions of yeah. Cylons. Yeah. Whether they are the alien race using that robots. the
1: robots, or the human race the robots.
0: Um, they, the enemy of the... You program the machine and let it go off and do its thing. And, and, and then, in the case of the Cylons, of course, they're an evolving creation.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So much to the point where they loop back around to resemble their creators, in a way. And mm-hmm. It's essentially you you've created your own enemy you've right. created your own replacement, which of course is a big thing with with a lot of um, uh, robot stories is essentially where you know the you know we don't need you anymore humanity we're 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 doing all right you know we've learned how to have our own children if we don't you know or build them we don't yeah. need you uh, which of course is just another example of the the parent child um, you know dynamic thing that that You know, becomes uh, shows up in villain stuff as well. Looping back around to Darth Vader and and Luke Skywalker, or the Emperor and Darth Vader. Yeah. You know, parental role there. Um,
1: Robert, we're still around for a little bit. He says, "Darts, I missed you guys. We we came on early because we're going to be doing Rancor Pit and what? Twenty? No. In what? Thirty minutes." When are we gonna start?
2: Well, according to what they're saying, they're figuring halftime is when it's gonna happen, which is eight or nine forty-five Eastern time, which so is eight forty-five our time. So we so if figure we start nine ranker, o'clock.
1: Yeah, we start we'll start Ranker Pit at nine o'clock.
2: Mm-hmm. So that'll give okay. it enough time to drop yeah. on the net.
1: Yeah. So that's coming up later. Yep. Um, speaking of um. Well, you, it, it, technology and mm-hmm. and stuff. The gold is is another one because they're they're not inventors of technology like you know either either the Cylons or the humans that right, invented yeah. Cylons, but they're they're parasites mm-hmm. that take technology and human hosts and and that sort of thing as a as a and you, then you get into not necessarily mental illness or mental uh, mental anything, but the perspective between the gold and the tokra, mm-hmm. who are essentially the same kind of beings but one feeds off the host where the other one co-ha- cohabitates or coexists with yeah. the host. Well,
2: that's that psychological thing like we were talking about with the dark crystal right. and the mystics of and to throw this out because we were trying to figure out how to make it work at dinner.
1: Yeah, the <laughs> okay, because I, I said you we know, were going through yeah, all, of all of these different all of these different hero villain pairings,
2: <laughs> and I said it's, it's a shame
1: it's a shame we can't make Die Hard part of this because John McClane and Hans Gruber are a great hero enemy dynamic. This is true, but for those of you who don't, Mindy points okay, out Mindy points out that that, that entire movie. John McClane is doing all of this stuff barefoot.
2: Yeah, <laughs> and
1: I'm thinking to myself, well, okay, he's an enhanced human. Now it works. Now it works as a sci- it not only is it a Christmas movie, it is a science fiction movie. He's a replicant. He could be a replicant, but I think I think it works it works for him to be an enhanced human because fi- he's got that physical stamina. He's able to do these extraordinary things just. Just off the fly and and just off the the cuff? The funny
0: thing about Die Hard, I think, was one of the things that really made (laughs) it incredibly successful um, was the fact that John McClane came across as so very human. Oh, yeah. Um, Just this
1: ordinary guy stuck in this extraordinary circumstance. And just being
0: bullheaded enough. Yeah stubborn enough to not let, you know, the fact that he was an incredible amount of pain. Um now later series <laughs> episodes in in this saga of John McClane would turn him into an indestructible Superman. Sure. Um I am
1: Well, I'm, and he's an indestructible Superman in glass and unbreakable. Uh yeah. You
0: know? Well, and I think the 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 interesting thing about glass um the unbreakable unbreakable uh, ultimately that whole arc with uh, what M Knight was trying to do there um, he tried to subvert superhero movies yeah and couldn't I think well he did. he did subvert superhero movies. How well you appreciate that <laughs> is yeah. is a, your mileage may vary yeah. and a lot of people of course were disappointed. um it's one of those films that I actually thought i I, I didn't dislike it yeah, but it's also one of those films where. Um, I'll watch Unbreakable again. I own it. I'm happy to watch it again. Um, I'm. I've seen Glass. I'll probably watch it again at some point in my life. But it's not like I, mm. you know. It's like yeah. Eh, see what you did there. That's yeah.
1: that's a thing. Cool. Good for you. Of course, no conversation about enemies would be complete without the mention of. Benita Bazaar The Nemesis of the Bugaloos Oh gosh And
0: now it has been mentioned
1: <laughs> Because I was thinking, is that is the song still going through your head? No, it's actually not. But <laughs> the the idea, see, because we talk all the time, and and it's been mentioned a couple of times. We're always talking about superheroes and zombies. Yeah, yeah, and and the and that kind of thing. And so I'm thinking to myself, okay, if we're talking about enemies, of course you've got Batman and Joker. You've got sure Kirk and Khan. We right, haven't even yeah, talked mm-hmm. about them. Um, you know you've got all of these all of these typical ones that right, yeah. anybody would talk about and i thought what's what's one really out there that nobody is going to experience and nobody's <laughs> going to expect benita bazaar and her desperate attempts to cancel out the bugaloos because the bugaloos <laughs> are just so gosh darn happy
0: well if you want to go with that you can go with gargamel and the
1: smurfs Sure, Gargamel the Smurfs. Mindy pointed them out at, at, at dinner time, and, I, and then of know, course, um, um, uh, 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 Doctor Shrinker, right? Yeah. Doctor Shrinker and the teenagers who you know who kept foiling his plans.
0: I, I would find myself rooting for Gargamel periodically, mostly because <laughs> the the Smurf song was just
1: really oh, annoying. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, um, He Man and Skeletor sure came right. up in conversation mm-hmm. at
2: dinner time. The Turtles and.
1: Shredder, Turtles, Yeah, right. the uh, Ninja Turtles and Shredder. Um, Although, as someone who is old enough
0: to remember when the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles were a comic book, and they were a reaction uh, and a bit of a parody of the comics that were out at the time, yeah. a lot of mutant, you know, a lot of kind of a certain amount of X Men parody in there. Um, and how brutal the comic originally was—it was super violent, oh, yeah. and very not, blatant, not for kids, not for kids, and and the whole. A, there's a whole generation of people who are You know The, the, car, the cartoon Was their introduction to it uh, And it, it's kind of like It's like We're going to make a dark and gritty version Of the turtles and I'm like yeah we've been there Buddy if you, if you go back and remake if you do, do an adaptation of the original Arc of the comics then we'll talk about
1: dark and gritty <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, Robert says Rule of Robotics 1 Within 20 minutes of story time robots will rebel And kill, kill humanity is John McClane must have mixed feelings toward Christmas oh yeah oh yeah same thing well, happens to I me mean, two well, two years well, ago
0: well Holly you know Holly McClane uh, unceremoniously oh, sure. written out of the series um, looks at him at the uh, is it the
1: second one the, the end of the, the second, second one, one goes, why does this, this keep in? happening to us and I think and I would say um <laughs> Reginald Val Johnson yeah. who plays the cop in mm-hmm. the first you know who yeah. plays the cop in that series um uh, Al mm-hmm. also plays a cop in what's the what's the show with with Urkel? Is it Family Matters? Yeah, Family, yeah. family Matters. Also plays a cop in Ghostbusters. This guy's a clone. Yeah, <laughs> the, these cops are all related. It's a shared They're universe. Clone. It's a shared universe. They're clones. Um, Another way to make Die Hard. Uh, there you go. There,
0: there you go. Although I would I would like to point out that Richard Atherton who
2: uh, was... uh, Oh, yeah,
1: because he was, yes, he was in Ghostbusters and Die Hard.
0: And and from all accounts,
1: just a really wonderful person to work with. Everyone talks about how great a guy he was. And apparently, I saw a story, apparently he almost got severely injured on the set of Ghostbusters. At the end, when all of the the marshmallow Mm. dumps on Mm -hmm. him, Apparently he wasn't quite as prepared for that as Yeah,
0: that's so, uh, you know, right. Yeah, so and I think
1: like I think he was he was that close to a major back injury or, yeah. or something something along those lines for that. Well, I
0: mean it, it's it stunts there's all when you drop anything on anybody yeah. uh in the course of it mean, it's always a risk. So I'm not surprised.
1: Even anyway. even liquid, but it was heavy enough. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That it it had the potential to do harm. What is that popping up over there on our Twitch channel? Because we're simulcasting on Twitch.
2: How do get like ten thousand viewers at once?
1: Oh, yeah. Well, okay. you
0: you Im- you admit that you, you am- are powerless before your robotic overlords
1: <laughs> and embrace the their algorithms. The password is
2: one, two, well, three, four, I have,
1: 5. I have a theory about that. Um, and it's not something that, that we want to get into tonight because there's no, there's no time and that's not on topic, but, um, well, Mindy and I have been talking about this, you know, we're, we're looking at all of our numbers. How do we get more audience? How do we get more people? How do we do all this? And it would be very, very, very easy to go into being outrage media. Oh sure, right. And gripe and complain and yell and scream and holler and everything's bad and it's all going to hell in a handbasket and it's just it's everything's a disaster, right? And be angry <laughs> about it all, but that's not sustainable. You can't keep that. You up. wouldn't
0: think so, but there's certainly folks who have made a career out of it. And well,
1: at some point though, as far as YouTube goes though, as social media, you can only do that for so long. Before it becomes old, it would become a a, a tired shtick, and I don't want us going into that. We're we're much more civilized, neutral. Oh well, civilized, (laughs) mature, neutral. I mean, there's a different thing. We even had a couple of we had a comment on this show a couple of weeks ago. Somebody who had found us in a in the in the recommended viewing after he looked at a Joe Rogan video, sure, and here we are, showed up. And he says it's nice to see people who can have a conversation, and even if they disagree, everybody is civil about it. And and and, and well, I mean, that look. he 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 grasped exactly what we've been trying to do with all of this all the, the yeah. whole time.
0: Well, I mean, the, 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 even though
1: you and I are enemies to the day we die. Oh yeah. We still there's make a whole lot
0: work. of statiness going on with you guys. <laughs> are you guys like,
2: <laughs> it's the water bottle spray I have over here. Uh, he
1: hits me when you're not here. <laughs>
2: Tim, is that why you're always wearing long sleeves that's and That's right. Jeans? So you can't you
0: can't you can't see the bruises, um, which is a, that's that's a very very. Uh, I think it's funny, but it's also a bad taste, and my apologies for that. <laughs> but no, I mean it's look you know for the, for the folks who are by just joining us for, we have new folks tonight I we mean, have that, new folks yes you know, we, we've never made we've never made any secret of the fact that we there are things we don't agree on and there's that we have different viewpoints on, on things and and yet we can be friends and we can we can occasionally have when we when we talk about those things we don't agree on the conversations might get heated but at the end of the day um, I know who you are and
1: um, it's least it's one of us
0: yeah, <laughs> oh, there you go. Well, and, hopefully, and hopefully know who I am, and and we we understand that while we don't see the world the same way, there are areas that we can talk about and communicate about uh, things that we can have in common, which there is not enough of right now. Yeah, and I think that I mean, okay, let me let me, I'll come back to this one more time, and then we'll move on because I don't want to talk about this anymore for a while. <laughs> is we'll the, put it
1: on our list. The yeah, no kidding. Yeah.
0: The internet, the internet is a microcosm of humanity the majority of people have better things to do with their time than to yell on the internet so you would hope I, statistically speaking you would laws hope. of averages have to say and I believe <laughs> this that the majority of humanity is not screaming on the internet right now the majority of them have other, they have their lives to lead right and, and so I, I think that more people are getting along than, than we think they are because of the, the outrage machine on, pick a side doesn't matter yeah. No. Um, but yeah, so it's it's one of those things where, um, you know, this this is the conversation we should have had last week. We were talking about the friends parts of things, but as opposed to the, the enemies. But yeah, we try. You know, the the idea that
1: I, you know, I thought about that when we get to, when we when we were talking about that last week. I thought about you know, we really should talk about this. But of course, we were about an hour and forty five minutes into it by the yeah, time. I so I mean, it's, it's way too late.
0: But um, yeah, I mean, it's you yeah, know, we 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 try and if nothing else, be civil and. And recognize that if you folks are tuning in to hear us yell at each other, you need to get out more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sorry. But well, you not, you not but not on Monday say. night. Yeah, not on Monday nights. T- tune in for this week What was that What night? they
2: aren't going to say is that after the show is done and the cameras turn off, they stand up and they give each other very big hugs. Oh, stop! And sling kumbaya around oh, the coffee stop. pot. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, okay, maybe my around the coffee pot. because it's mush.
1: coffee. It's coffee. Yeah. It's I mean, coffee. come on. And I got it. I got. I gotta say this. This Kane's coffee that I dug up out of the out of the garage. Yeah. Is not very good. Well.
2: How old was it again?
1: Uh, <laughs> what did I say? Twelve years. Something like that. Yeah, so, for it's, those it's of lost. you who are it's wondering
0: potentine. if if coffee had a vintage, it does. It does. It's not a positive. <laughs> no, don't, don't. That's a
1: bug, not a feature.
2: Like, <laughs> if something mm, happens to see, them tonight, this, you can't blame see, Mrs. Boss. <laughs> mm, let's <laughs> see,
0: uh, coffee
1: twelve years. Whoa. <laughs> yeah.
0: No, I mean, it it tastes like coffee, but it's
1: not particularly good. It's it's not great. It's not great. I'm still holding out for a coffee coffee company to sponsor our show, so Um, uh, we'll see. In the meantime, um, for those of you who are so inclined, you can drop a Super Chat in and give us money for replacement coffee. There you go. And we can we can do that in, instead. There's I, a there's a coffee shop right around
0: the corner from my apartment. That because I work from home now, I, I you know I'll walk down the street for lunch or whatever. Yeah. And there's a coffee shop around the corner that is also a vinyl store. Oh, fun. <laughs> and uh, I don't I don't own a turntable currently, so I don't buy vinyl. Um, although my dad got a turntable not too long ago, so he's kind of replenishing his his mm. record collection. Um, but the coffee's good, and the music. Uh, when I walk in, there's always something interesting
1: playing. Sure,
0: um, I saw some a, I don't recognize, which is nice.
1: I saw a headline, just last week, I believe. It was the last week, or the week before, that vinyl is about to outsell CDs for the first time in gobs of years. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, it's it's back.
0: The funny thing is, is that we, uh, speaking of, speaking of enemies, right? So the enemy of the enemy of the physical yeah. was going to be the digital, right? So, yeah. and and that meant you know, CDs were going to replace vinyl because CDs where you can get more information on a disc and et cetera, et cetera. And then the CDs lost to MP3s yeah. and download. And when I was a book dealer, it was that whole thing, where you know the the internet's going to wipe out the book dealers, and to some degree, you know, certainly not everything survived, but a lot of the stores that specialized—mystery stores, science fiction mm. stores, uh, romance stores—all these different places that that kind of leaned into the thing that made their their customers love them. Yeah. Um, and now you know they survived, and they a lot of them ended up thriving, and you look at vinyl coming back. It's been a it was. Almost freed up, because people sat there and went, "I can get the music so easy now. Now I can spend the money on the things that I like." That sort of the com- vinyl is comfort food, and, and yeah. in,
1: in a way, I well, mean, like, life finds a way. Life. See, the thing, the thing is, <laughs> life finds a way. Yes, definitely. There is something, and for those of us purists who, who grew up with vinyl, there is a distinct. You and I Sal. also grew up with eight tracks, so I, know I know, I'm sure purist vi- is the, words but we vinyl... the word. But vinyl,
2: I grew up with the old Edison's that were on the. But cylinders. when
1: you now, real no,
0: to yeah. real, my dad has I, a real I, to real player. I've still a, got
1: reels in a box yeah, from different and, times uh, in college. But there is something about listening to vinyl that you don't get that experience. You don't get that same experience with CDs.
0: Interestingly enough, vinyl ages. Right? Your groove isn't perfect or whatever. And it brings life to
1: the music. Yes. In a way that. There's a dynamic to it that you don't get with digital.
0: No. I mean, it's all ones and zeros. This is not to talk digital. It's great to have the the availability of it. I I think it's the
1: same kind of thing you get when you're looking at digital video rather than uh, film. Because oh sure, film has a physical. I mean, we're we're completely off topic now. But film has. We
0: digress. This is what we do, folks. If if you're this is your first time with us, we digress. The
1: layers of emulsion in film Mm -hmm. that react differently to the amount of light that comes in. There's an actual tangible thing. There's a process there. There's a process happening, and it's different every single time. And digital, you don't get that. You can emulate it to a certain extent, but you can't emulate it get
0: there completely. And I think that one of the things that, that people tend to forget is that the folks who are really, really good at making that digital film look like it's got mm. warmth in a way uh, are, are artists.
1: Yep.
0: And there's like, we live in a town, Kansas City uh, is, it's got a, a vibrant uh, independent film community. There are plenty of, of people working in town who are in, in the film and, and video business uh, we've got we're getting a lot more people coming to town from out of town yeah. because we've got a, a film a film office, all these different things. There's two color grader graded, graders in this town. Mm. There's two colorists, yeah. and and they are in incredibly high demand because they're really good at making they digital look good. Yeah. But it uh, when you consider that you know it is a real challenge and it's not sexy. Oh no. And so. uh, but it is an art form and these guys are great. So it's. Uh, it's tough it, it, you got to find the right people
1: and and to thomas's point in the chat i don't have any wax cylinders but i do have a number of slate 78s i tell you um, what um, years so ago I do have
0: that. we we talked about this last week a little bit i think was when we talked about going down to the west bottoms here in kc and, and going through the antique stores and the and yeah. thrift stores down there i came across a uh, one of those old players down there.
1: Oh right, uh, like a Victrola. Yeah, yeah,
0: and and it did not have the cylinders. Yeah, and now they're out there. You can still find them, and some of them are in remarkably good shape. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was, I have zero reason to buy this <laughs> amazing piece of vintage technology. But it's another one of those things where I looked at and I went, boy, I want this really bad. Sure, you want to just have it. Uh, but it was, it was. And it was a, it was a working model, so it was, like, very expensive. Oh, and I was sure. like, I, yeah, it, this is probably a completely reasonable price. I'm not paying for it, <laughs> um, however.
1: But, yeah, it's it's um,
0: uh, the fact that that technology still works mm-hmm. versus, say... Some,
1: something to be said for human ingenuity back then.
0: You know, your cassette player. Yeah. Um, or your...
1: Or your web cameras. <laughs> or your web cameras.
0: Well, okay, but, again, you know, um, the... And, and this is one of the nice things about literature and some of these... I'm going to loop this back around. Okay. I have a plan. Okay. So you look at you look at characters like Ming the Merciless. Um, you know this is a classic villain. Bit of a stereotype, certainly. It depends on again how he's sure. been written. Sure. Um, you know a lot of the folks who are concerned about um, you know bringing um, um, you know, uh, Shang Chi into the Marvel Universe mm-hmm. is that his father is Fu Manchu in the comics, yeah. and Fu Manchu is very much. In the hands, very Asian stereotypes. Yeah. Certainly, you know, you could argue very, very much that it's an extremely racist stereotype, and inappropriate. Although Fu Manchu as a villain, when written well, and there's here's the qualifiers, right? right? When written well, um, can be an extremely effective villain. Ming's the same way, um, and when when written well, and of course, you look at some of these historically. You know these characters with it, that have the the legs that that Flash Gordon and Buck Rogers have had, Tarzan, um, a character and a character I'm not going to name because it's on the list, uh, <laughs> John Carter. Uh, but you look at these characters that have these, you know, some and they've evolved. They've evolved yeah. over time. The how they're telling their stories. I mean, there's, you know, how women were represented in the first in the early Flash. Gordon stories or Buck Rogers' stories are not how they're represented now. Right. And and that's because the culture has changed and it's grown. And you have to, you know, uh, Wilma Deering, uh, Aaron Gray's Wilma Deering.
1: Much different from the original Wilma Deering yeah.
0: and different from
1: how she would be portrayed now.
0: Yeah. And, yeah, and so you look at these characters and how they evolve and change. Um, but they, the ones, some the, the kind of the timelessness of stories like the Buck Rogers and, and Flash Gordon um, and how they have the ability to become new versions as we go over time. That yeah. these the the heroes themselves are yeah. matter, but the villains that they fight also matter too. Right. Because you can end up you can take those villains into the modern era and have Max von Sydow play Ming the Merciless, and you go. Well, of course. Well, this is a. This is the definitive Ming, and that becomes the issue I'm going to have with any time. Then you know they keep promising us a, yeah. a new Flash Gordon movie, and I'm like, but who's going to play Ming? You can you can get any old hero type to play Flash Gordon. Come on, yeah. <laughs> um, but who's going to play Ming, Ming the Merciless? Who's going to play uh, uh,
1: Zarkov? Who's going to play Benita Bazaar in the reboot of the Bugaloos? All right, that's going to do it for us tonight. (laughs) Thanks very much, folks, for watching at at our special time. Next week, it is Milestone Week, all week. We've got Episode 80 of Salacious Crumbs, our Star Wars show. We have Episode 30 of Tardis Sauce, Mm -hmm. our Doctor Who show. And we have Episode 200 of this show. I I can't believe that that we've gone that long now. (laughs) and We've survived... That That's two
2: hundred times sixty plus minutes of my life. I'll never get back.
1: Hey now, hey now, hey you may You then. haven't been here for the entire two hundred episodes. Thank yeah, you. but
2: I did go through a period of time where I was obsessed <laughs> enough with up. you. She did catch that up, and I liked listening on the way yeah. to work.
1: Yeah. Yeah. All right, so uh <laughs> so if you have That's a suggestion, <laughs> if you have a suggestion for a topic for something we could talk about next week, we may do a Q and A. We may do just potluck. And people in the chat can, you know, ask us sure, questions or yeah. whatnot. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure exactly what we're going to do, but it's 200 episodes next week. And uh, Salacious Crumb, 80, and Sauce 30. And so we've got all these things going on next week. We hope you join us. And we will be at our regular time next week at 8 o'clock. Uh, live here on uh, on sci-fi for me tv we are going to end this one now and wrap up so that we can look at the star wars trailer when it drops and ranker pit will start approximately nine o'clock on this same bat time uh, same bat channel i was about to say same bat time but it's not it's going to be 20 minutes, 20 minutes from now um, so those of you who have been in the chat, thanks very much for uh, yeah, sharing thanks, your thoughts and being here for, uh, for that. Stick around for the Ranker Pit. If you have your thoughts about the trailer, we certainly want to hear that. And we'll be back with this show next week. Thanks, guys. Copyright 2019 by Flaming Dog Media LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media.